Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we cover an artist, perhaps even a poet. Suzanne takes you down. This week we're talking about Leonard Cohen. You can hear the boats go by. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with. I am Dax. Jared. It's Tyler here. And how did everybody feel about listening to the prolific artist Leonard Cohen this week? I enjoyed most of it. Most of it? Most of it. Jared? It was pretty good. Tyler? It was good. I enjoyed all of it. All of it? Of course. All of it. All of it. Okay, so we've got a good most of it. All of it. I fall closest to Dex. Most of it. Not all of it. Definitely a couple stinkers. Not quite stinkers. That's it's going too far because it's Leonard Cohen. And even a bad album by Leonard Cohen is a pretty good album. There were some that I, that I would say are more questionable. Yes. In terms mm-hmm. of the direction. Yes. But I see. So I see Leonard, Leonard Cohen's albums in a U shape where you start out very strong and you maintain some strongness. And then you kind of dip down in the middle for a little bit, and then you slowly work your way back up into a full U, and then you close out in perfection. Yeah, pretty much. So Rolling Stone reviewed uh, Songs of Leonard Cohen, mm-hmm. and I think their summary of that album is just as good of a summary of the whole thing. Okay. Uh, they said, there are three brilliant songs, one good one, three qualified bummers, and three are flaming shits. Oh my. Huh. You're talking about Songs of Leonard Cohen? Yeah. That they is, felt that way about Songs of Leonard Cohen? That is Rolling yeah, Stone. Well, it is Rolling Stone. They gave it yeah. a four and a half out of five. <laughs> <laughs> they can't have... Describe the That's last part of that again. Flaming shit. Three of them. And they That's gave it a four out of yeah, five. Because What's their standard and for three, a four and, out of five? And three of them were bummers. Yeah. So well, half I'm assuming of the a album, bummer is a Leonard Cohen bummer, meaning like it's a very them. good song, but a very sad song, and yeah. that is most of Leonard Cohen's music. So, Well, Rolling Stone sucks. That's a weird description. Yeah, I that's thought odd. That was hilarious. I love it. Quite the quite the review. So, where did everybody else stand? I've got, like I said, I've got a U shape. Where where? So, Tyler, you said you just like all of it. I like all of it, but I don't disagree with you in that in your estimation of it. Because for me, '80s Cohen is not as good. Mm-mm. But it's still that's the dip for me. It's still decent, but it's not as good. I'm your man is not that great. Various positions is better. Mm. But still not, you know. I, let's see. I thought that Various Positions was not as good as I'm Your Man, but they're pretty darn close. Yeah. Really. Uh, I, I liked Various Positions pretty well. Yeah. Then we, well, we skipped quite a ways forward afterwards as well, all yeah. the way to 2012, which right. all three of the last, well, those all three, three middle the, albums. Yeah. All three of the last albums we listened to, not including the posthumous release right are very good yes absolutely and the posthumous release i thought was pretty good too it is good like it is good and we'll 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 get to the older the the newer albums the older cohen in a little bit but yes we did we did skip three albums because listening to 14 cohen albums in a week is very difficult manageable possibly but very difficult so we did not listen to the future we did not listen to 10 new songs and we did not listen to dear heather 
which is I more mean, recent songs. Had we had listened to, true. Had we had listened to, oh yeah, I forgot about recent songs. Mm-hmm. Had we had listened to the future, I feel like we would have had a more comprehensive idea of what the music sounded like. But I think that those two thousands albums probably didn't really tell a lot about Cohen to begin with. I like the song "The Future" from the Future. That's a pretty good song. Is it? It kind of reminds me a little bit of um, when Neil Young went into more electronic music in the eighties as well. But basically, all of the, not all, but most of the uh, interesting poets of the seventies. So Dylan, Cohen, and Neil Young. Those are the three that come to mind most prominently. I mean, there's right. others throughout that time, but those are the big three that had very interesting different kind of 80s you know like they had lots of very popular things in the 60s cohen was a little bit later in that time yeah, 67, I mean, dylan, the initial. dylan had already had like probably five or six albums up to that point yeah um but then and then uh neil young was probably a little bit later as well but bob dylan basically did more like pop oriented stuff in the 80s Mm -hmm. and then neil young did some electronic stuff Mm -hmm. and then cohen did kind of um a little bit of a mixture of both like some synthy stuff it's it's very it's strange but it's but i mean then you also have hallelujah which sounds like a song that was written in the 60s but it came out in 84 well yeah although it's it still has the feel of that album Mm -hmm. no doubt uh because it's not of course most people most younger people, I'll say, um, and, and a lot of people that we would talk to would think that that's they wouldn't understand that's not a Jeff Buckley song. So or right. Rufus Rain, right? Sure, right. Yep. And they, it's, I think a lot of people probably know that Cohen wrote it. Yeah, but, but they, I guarantee because I didn't know that it was made on an album for '84. Yeah, it doesn't feel oh, like yeah. a song from '84 no. at all. Because I mean that between I think that's the song from Jeff Buckley came out in ninety two I believe yeah I think it was ninety two so it was less than ten years mm-hmm. after the song had come out that it, the cover came and you know it's very prominent big song for Jeff Buckley and Grease was a good album it is a good album well, stop talking with your mouth full. I was finishing that's gross whatever Grace is a good album Why are you Grace is a good album and uh, let me say it again Grace is a good album Grace is a good album I think though what I think People listen to Jeff Buckley's version, and people want to cover it. That's what you get. I have a medical disorder. He does have a... (laughs) As a King of the Hill reference, thank you. And I'm hungry for oatmeal cream pies. Go on. That's kind of... This is horrible. You know, it's necessary. Um, Where was I? I think people listen to Jeff Buckley's version of that song, and then they... There's like a lot of covers of that out right now. Like, you know, even YouTube, small covers. Yeah. I think that people now, when it's not Cohen who performs it, they don't really listen to the words to understand what it's about because right. it's not a, it's not, it's a sexual song mm-hmm. as many a of, his, of songs his songs were. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not about singing it in church. No, you know what I'm saying? No. And, but people don't listen to it. And a lot of people who like, who really like that song. Have never paid attention to the words, right? Uh, and, well, Cohen, and you, Cohen, a lot of his career was singing about religion in his own way, right? Was not necessarily commenting on it in a. He even really kind of utilized gospel in his music. I think he was heavily influenced by that. Well, yeah, side he of his used life. the stories of the Bible as part of the, you know, the yeah. stories in his songs as well. But it's like his music is not religious music. No, 
It's not. And it's about, t- it's about telling different stories with the same characters almost. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I think people mischaracterize that because what has happened with the success of Bus- Buckley- Busley's, Buckley's. Buckley's release and, and subsequent covers, which is unfortunate. On the the 1988 album "I'm Your Man," mm-hmm. he has a cover or not? He has a song called "Everybody Knows," yeah. which mm-hmm. I like. That song. that is a good it's pretty song. Pretty good. Yeah, good it is. I know that song because I owned Don Henley's greatest hits, "Actual Miles," and he covered that song as the very last track on the album. Hmm. And I liked that song, and I thought, I mean, I, I mean, how would I know that it was a cover? Right. And then later, doing research, I you know figured years a little while you know years later. I figured out that he covered Jeff or uh, Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen on his greatest hits album. Well, he said Jeff Bugley like fifteen <laughs> <I> times. Did. <laughs> we did say it a lot. I would say "Hallelujah" is probably the most covered song that I can think of. Yeah, it's pretty extensive. It's up there ever yeah. or yeah. Oh, I don't know about maybe that. Wonderwall's up there. Mm, not in the not level a, of Hallelujah. Not as high. Yeah, um, I mean I, that's a good that's a good like comparison place, but. Uh, so Tyler, you said that your least favorite album was probably "I'm Your Man." That's yeah, when probably you "I'm Your were Man." We're most iffy on. Yeah, Jared, did you but, have an album that stood out as the worst? Oh, the worst. Yeah, the worst album of Cohen. Because I want to oh. talk about one of them in particular, and I want to see if anybody else stuck hmm. to this album. Um, hmm. we don't normally do worse. I know. I didn't. I don't know. I listened to Popular Problems last, and I didn't. I couldn't get into it, so I guess yeah. maybe I don't know. That's fine. Or the one that came out in 2000. Uh, Thanks for the dance. The posthumous one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Dax, how did you feel in terms uh, of an album that just didn't land with you? I think probably I'm Your Man is up there for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really remember much of uh death uh what is it death of death a ladies, of ladies man? man yeah that is so unfortunate that, I really? that, that, didn't that really... album is that was probably the first album that i could get into when it's, i was listening well to. it's the more more accessible when it's coming up i mean new skin he starts to use some different instruments and it yeah. gets a little bit wider I like but on new that skin. one being produced by phil Spector. oh yeah i mean it's almost a pop album but it's really mm-hmm Caleb, that's, I knew that's one he was going to choose yeah, that he didn't I like. It. I hated it's it. It's so unfortunate because it's, it's so, such a fun, it's, it's a fun album. It's not. It is. I hated it. <laughs> that is so sad. I don't know. I just didn't, it just didn't vibe with me at all. Like the, I like the horns. Yeah, the horns. I like the female backing vocals. Mm-hmm. I, it felt kind of like a Dylan album almost with all of the extra stuff that you had. It felt like a new morning kind of. Um, it, it just didn't feel right. I don't yeah. know. It didn't feel like a Cohen album. Well, I could see that it feels like a Phil Spector album that they threw Cohen onto. Uh, it it feels, doesn't feel like it, a Cohen album. It feels album. like a Cohen album to me. It feels like you... I, that's what I think, is that like a lot of the things that people like about Death of a Lady's Man seem to be the things that Phil Spector brought to the album in terms of production. And I think that Cohen is lost in that album. Not, and by that standard, I don't feel like it's very much a Cohen album. And I think that the strength of Cohen is an album focusing on Cohen. Well, to an extent, sure, but I mean, it's a, it's definitely a shakeup coming from his, you know, chronologically. Mm-hmm. But I don't think his, when you listen to his delivery, when you listen to the way that, I wouldn't say that Phil Spector didn't have an influence. I'm not going right. to deny that. Right. But Cohen create. I mean, he writes, he has control over this, mm-hmm. and that's how he does, how he does it. And he's not gonna. I don't think he would create an album that is disingenuous. 
to him or where he's at. I, I probably didn't and, want and, to, but then Spectre came in with his crazy hair and his crazier ideas. Oh, please. <laughs> I don't think Cohen gets lost in this. His delivery stays pretty much the same. His lyrical content is still pretty, mm-hmm. pretty, you know, spot on for what it, where he was before. And he's just changed up composition a little bit. But I really don't think, especially when you think of the backing vocals and stuff like that, you get a little bit of that on new skin and you, you start to hear a little more breadth I, breadth in the instrumentation. And it's for me, I don't have an issue. I like that album. Fair enough. I like that album just as much as the rest of them. Bob Dylan did backing vocals on it. Did he? Uh-huh. As did Allen Ginsberg. There you go. <laughs> Caleb, I feel like your problem with it, uh, Cohen's not really like, people don't think of him as a musician. Right. But he does really interesting stuff because he's not really a musician. Right. He, he puts yeah. his own spin to it. Right. And I don't think that came through as much on that one because Phil Spector kind of led it into being more like right normal almost. I, I think that, because I don't think that those elements are missing from other albums. Like, a very odd example is Songs from a Room, which prominently features the Jew harp. Right. Yes, it does. Like, all over the place. Yep. You can't say that. It's the name of the instrument. Don't you, didn't you listen to the lyrics about the puppet? I have a Jew harp. Okay. Anyways, like, he was doing interesting and odd things with his the sonic elements of his songs, even on Songs of Leonard Cohen. He, there right. were symphonic-ish elements that were incorporated into the song. Yeah, but much more minimally. It's a, min- it's it's a very, very minimalistic minimal. take to music, which is what folk really is when it comes yeah, to music. Yeah, he was. That's where, anyways. He, that's where he started. All of those first three are all much closer to The first album had minimalist. Like backing vocals too, didn't it? I believe so, like yeah. He they started all have right some. out of the gate. Yeah. But it's not, you know, you don't have... There, there's nothing huge about any of it. Yeah. There's okay. a lot of space in those albums. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I don't know. And I said this on the review that I wrote, but I do still think that it's pretty accurate. I think that Death of a Ladies Man is just the death of Leonard Cohen's original sound. That's when that album really shifted his sound. I don't, I'm not as familiar with recent songs. And so I can't speak to that album and say that it didn't stay true to an older Leonard Cohen sound. But if you listen to various positions in I'm Your Man, he continued that kind of like 80s sound that was going on at that time. And it took him a long time to get back to his roots and that's kind of what you see when you get to old ideas mm-hmm. is you see him kind of in a way going back to his roots it still has a little bit of minimalism to it there's still a lot of big and bright production but you end up getting something that's a little bit more focused on cohen where i think that i'm your man various positions and death of a lady's man the albums i disliked the most not saying they're bad albums but the ones i just didn't enjoy as much as his other work didn't have the same focus on cohen as an artist and I do agree with you, Dax. I do think that it comes down to that a lot of those things seem like they came from somewhere else other than Cohen. Mm. Do you think Death of a Bachelor is a reference to Death of a Ladies Man? I was kind of thinking Maybe, that. Maybe, but guess which one? It was, seems unlikely. Which one's better? Oh, boy. Mm. I, I do know. They both use puppets. I hate Death of a Bachelor. I do know that Death of a Ladies Man was actually also a Cohen poem before he started writing yeah. music, Ooh. which is worth t- mentioning well, that's where that he, he did start in poetry. Yeah, and he was a, an author and a poet in the 50s and 60s. Right. Up and until 67 when he releases songs of Leonard Cohen. Yeah. And it's it's odd because he started in his 30s, mm-hmm. which totally makes sense. But the fact that he was still, after starting making music in his 30s, then had 50 years of music 
that he made is astounding. Yeah, it's wild. Like, I who else, you know? Yeah, it's pretty... I mean, Bowie, which similarly, they both died around the same time and had... Very close to... Albums that came out. Very close to their death. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think that I'm Your Man... No, not I'm Your Man. I'm sorry. I think that You Want It Darker came out maybe only a couple... Like, three weeks after he died. Or before he died. I can't remember. I I think it was before he died. I think it was before as well. I think three weeks before he died was when that album came out. So, but I, yeah, it, it is very similar to the Bowie situation because both those albums came out around the same time. Do you think the that the song uh, from the album I'm Your Man called Jazz Police has anything to do with the Dream Police by Cheap Trick? No. You oh. just think that everything's associated with everything, don't you? Know you? That song? I listened to that. No. I, I heard what did the, you think of that song? I heard the song Jazz Police and I immediately thought of Dream Police and I listened to it. I was like, okay. Huh. I don't think they have nothing to do with each other no. other than they both They have the word police in the title. Have police and are about things like jazz and dreams. <laughs> do you think that the band The Police got their name from that Cohen song? Yeah, I do. I do. No, there had already been a band at that I know. point. No, no. They changed their name. That's when they released their album Jazz. Ah. Yeah. Now that was the that was Queen. I know. Queen. Yeah, it was fine. Oh my god. Speaking of songs, does anybody want to say their favorite song at this point in time? I can. Okay, let's hear it. Mine Jared. I I this was a difficult decision for me mm-hmm. as they all are mostly. But I mean, here's the thing. I it's think Hallelujah, isn't it? No, it's oh, not. Okay. I think that nobody should pick Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. But I it's also me. I think that should be the last song we play. I, I agree. It's just, you know what I mean? Whatever. Yeah, I agree. That's what? just for the aesthetic what? of the episode. Whatever. But there's other, you know, like some of the other songs uh, are just well known of his. But mm-hmm. I think my favorite, just based on name alone, is Don't Go Home With Your Heart On. <laughs> Jared, dang it. Come on. <laughs> is that yours? <laughs> I like how he, you know, you were... You chose your favorite song because of the title of the song. No, I liked I liked the song, and it was fun little. It was a fun little ditty. Uh, I liked other songs. I mean, it was from the album I liked the most, "Death of a Ladies Man." I love that you did this whole thing where you talked up. You're like, you know, for the 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 power of this episode, you know, you gotta end it with Hallelujah. Really bring it out with a a big a big ending, but also my favorite song is a "Hard on Joke." Well, listen, I don't. It's fine. Let's play let's play a little bit of Don't Go Home With Your Heart On from Death of a Ladies Man. When you called, she was always there. When you called, she was always there. Oh, don't go home with your heart on. It will only drive you insane. You can't shake it off. Sorry, but is that song not evidence of just no Cohen at all? In Whatever terms that, of that title and everything is obviously that's how he does. He's, he's a, a poet. In, he's a tongue in cheek kind of guy. See, Don't go home with your heart on. It's more not tongue in cheek. It's just in your face. Just, yeah, but you it's know, not tongue in cheek at all. He's it's a, not witty at all. It's not. That's not Cohen, man. Come I on. Know. I hate to agree with Caleb. I really do. <laughs> I like. I agree with Caleb. <laughs> here's what I this week. Here's what I said about uh, Leonard Cohen. I was comparing him to the next closest thing that I could compare him to, which was Bob Dylan. Which right. They're both known as poets. Neither of like Cohen is not that great of a singer. I, 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 he's no. just kind of there. It's it's for the the lyricism and the poetry, really. But yeah. 
So he's that's just kind bed, of the comparison kind of, of um, people complain about Bob Dylan's voice. Also, that's that's the other thing. Right. Well, they both have weird. I mean, Cohen's Very voice strange. is weird too. Yeah, yeah, they're both strange. But so they both write poetry, and they both. Uh, Leonard Cohen writes more sexual songs than Bob Dylan does. Yeah. Bob Dylan says, you know, he calls this girl babe and he is kind of more subtle about it. But the ones, what I forget what the name of the song is, but uh, oh no, I think it was the, hold on, let me find it because it was very strange. Uh, hold on a minute. Oh shit. Uh, or maybe it was on the newest one. No. Where is that song? It was like a, like a Mexican song. Are you talking about the... Uh, <clears throat> I know what you're talking about. That would be The Night of, the Santiago. Night of Santiago. Yeah, what was that on? That was on Thanks that, for the Dance. Uh, yeah, the most oh, recent yeah. release. That was like completely... He takes <laughs> off his belt and his gun. <laughs> so pretty, and all that was left. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's a pretty, it, good, the, the that's whole, a pretty good song. The really. whole thing was just like... Well... It, I mean, it, I, it was an interesting He just did what thing. any man would do. That's right. He says it many times. It's justified. He took her down to the river, just like any man would do. That's right. Beautiful. Truly but yeah, beautiful. that was the. I don't know. It was. I liked. Uh, I liked the lyricism that he had. Yes, absolutely. And, it, and especially once you got into "Death of the Ladies' Man," even past that, up to the the 2012 release, where you had big uh, instrumentation that made it. Like you were listening for it, you know, because you were wanting to hear the instruments because your ears were perked up. Then that's when the lyrics kind of took me when it's just him over a piano or a sad little guitar or whatever. I'm like, eh. <laughs> hmm. but the others, you know, when, when I'm interested, when I'm, my ears are up, like that's a why I like, that's why I like the early stuff. Cause I have a much easier time listening to the lyrics when it's just him and the like very simple because mm-hmm. yeah. my ears just immediately go to the music. So when there's less music, I can focus more on it. Which makes complete sense, honestly. And given that we're going to, uh, since we're talking about that, I'll say what I believe to be probably my favorite Cohen song, which is off of Songs of Leonard Cohen. I'm going to go with So Long, Mary Ann. Now so long, Mary It's time we began to lie and cry and cry. Nice, simple folk mm-hmm. composition. Focus on the Cohen. You got it good. You got it good. Mm. And I do struggle, honestly, picking such an early Cohen song as a favorite song. But I mean, that was my favorite album, I think, from Cohen, was his very first album. And I believe you agreed, Dax. Yeah, it's my favorite album. My favorite song's on that one, too. Is it? Should I do it right now? Oh, man. Hold okay, on. Yeah. Before, you, before yeah, you do that, that's fine. That, that song was written about. Marianne Itlin, who he met on the Greek island of Hydra mm. in 1960. Interesting. Dax, I thought that your favorite song was a later song. Did you change your mind? I did change my mind. All right. Well, we're going to play the later songs a little bit, too, just to, for good measure, but go ahead. I don't remember what later song it, I was going to pick. I do. It's okay. We'll get okay. there. Okay. So I have two, really. I liked Suzanne really well, but mm. I'm not going to pick that one. I'm going to pick uh, Sisters of Mercy. You got it. Oh, 
the sisters of mercy they are not departed or gone they were waiting for me when I thought that I just can't go on and they brought me their comfort and later they brought Sweet. It's sweet. Mm. I have another little thing about Marianne if I'm allowed to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So she died on July 28th, 2016. Thanks for bringing us down. At the age of 81. And he wrote to her shortly before her death mm-hmm. saying, I'm just a little behind you, close enough to take your hand. Yep. Oh. I've never forgotten your love and your beauty, but you know that. Safe travels, old friend. See you down the road. Love and gratitude. He died three months later. Wow. Yep. He wrote that before she died? Yes. So he knew she was going to die. He wrote the letter before she died, and then he- Put anthrax in the letter. Oh, my. Don't you start I love it. No. Listen to himself. It was iodine. Listen to him. You take a a really nice moment, and you just shit all over it. I was really happy about that story. I thought that was really sweet, and you just ruined it. I had to throw a conspiracy, and I haven't done one in a while. Well, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You you suck a lot. Thank you. So to go back to the music, um, I find the voice of Cohen to be something that's worth discussing as well, given what we're hearing on Songs of Leonard Cohen, because what you can see changing is, is that in his early voice, it's still young which makes sense because he's in his 30s, but the voice that we recognize and know of of Cohen didn't really start appearing until the late 70s and in the, in the 80s when his voice started to change because he was like in his 50s. Mm-hmm. And so people are more familiar with that dark, raspy voice of Cohen, and that didn't come until his later life. So when you hear an early Cohen song, you almost don't really recognize it as a Cohen song because it doesn't have that same Cohen voice to it. But you can still well, tell from the lyricism. Yeah, I, guess so. I, guess I think that so. you can tell from the lyricism, but from the voice, I think that if I played most songs from Songs of Leonard Cohen, most people would be like, that's a pretty good Bob Dylan song. I don't know. If you played anything, like people who are familiar with Leonard Cohen, a lot of them, I, at least in what I've experienced, are familiar with songs from a room mm-hmm. and Bird on a Wire. Yeah. And which that's the first album. That's where I started. That's the first album I received. A friend of mine gave it to me, bought it for someone who he was friends with. And then I don't know. They're not friends. So he's like, here. And I said, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so he I just knew your stories. <laughs> he knew I had a turntable. Grandpa, your stories always really had, trail yeah. off at the end. He knew I had a turntable. And he's like, I have this album if you want it. And I was like, yeah, I want it. That too. And it's really quite good. And, uh, but I don't think, and if you know, if you know, New Skin, then mm-hmm. you know Lover, 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 you know. So if you know yeah. those things, you're familiar with his, like I'm most familiar with his early voice. Yeah. Uh, then I would be with his voice in the in the late 70s. Right. So I don't know. I think it depends. So that was your introduction to Cohen, mm-hmm. was that album. Jared, Dax, do you know what your introduction was? Unless it was, if it was Hallelujah, which I imagine for most people it was. That's obviously perfectly fine, but I don't know if it would maybe be something else. Because I'm sure that mine was probably Hallelujah, but when I was really cognizant of it being Cohen, it really wasn't until I listened to You Want It Darker. I really hadn't listened to a lot of his other music from his early career, and then I was like, 
Well, I know he's a really important artist. I've never really listened to a lot of his music, so let me listen to and see what's going on in this newer album. The first song I heard was either Hallelujah or Suzanne. Gotcha. I heard both of them pretty early. Gotcha. For me, it was probably Hallelujah, obviously, and then from there, uh, most likely, uh, as I stated previously, the Everybody Knows mm-hmm. cover of Don by Don Henley, and mm-hmm. then also the song The Future uh, from the album The Future. Mm-hmm. This early stuff I really don't know other than just like it being popular and being in things, you know, like... Right. Um, his most popular song is Suzanne mm-hmm. and then Hallelujah, according to uh, the Spotify listens, which is surprising Almighty Spotify. that Hallelujah would not be higher than that. I agree. But if you, I imagine if you go to uh, Jeff, Jeff Buckley, Buckley, his is probably, um, why did I put Jess? Oh, Jess. He's, yeah, his is at 185 million and the Leonard Cohen version's at 55. Wow. So the Jeff Buckley version is much more yep. listened to, which is not surprising by any means, but who did it better? I don't I mean, it's hard to like to say that somebody did a cover version better than the original. Sure. Yeah, so I'd say I mean probably task. probably the Cohen version is is obviously more in tune with the original idea. Sure. But I do think the Jeff Buckley version is very good and and he didn't do it for the sake of it. I mean, nobody really knew that song. So he didn't cover the song for the sake of blowing up. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, like, disingenuous. He really blew up the song. Yes. So Cohen obviously benefited tremendously from it because it probably saw a resurgence in his career mm. because people are like, oh, who? I love that song. Who did that? They find, you know, out and then they go back and listen to the old stuff. And then, it, you know. Especially when it was on Shrek. Yeah, I know. Indeed. Rufus Wainwright always goes back. That's a good version, too. Uh Yeah, I don't think that... I'd probably say that even though I think Jeff Buckley did a good cover, it doesn't have the same feel. Yeah. It doesn't... That's why I think that a lot of people, with the way Jeff Buckley did it, can lose the content of the lyrics. Sometimes you can... (laughs) Oh, no. You gotta do a hard-on joke again. Sometimes you can drown in the sound of music. Very good. Uh, (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. So, Jeff Buckley drowned. Well, he yeah. did. He walked out into the into the river, and that was it. He did. He walked right out. There's another really good cover of that song. I don't know who it's by. Are you sure it's really good? Because I've watched some things. It's on YouTube. It says "Hallelujah Shrek Song Best Version." No, <laughs> it doesn't say who it's by. No, uh, yeah, no. we're gonna leave that one alone. No. We're gonna let that one die where uh, it is. Yeah, not doing it. Jeff, in oh, fact, Espen Lind. Yeah. Bummer. It's very good. Yeah, sure. It's very good. Check it out if you're interested, all you Shrek fans. We know you're out there because there's a lot of you. <laughs> right that, that video? Right there with you. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, the video, Shrek song, best version. 39 million views. Oh, my God. It has more than the Buckley version. <laughs> no, that's not more. Oh, yeah, his is 150, isn't it? <laughs> it's less than the... Cohen version. Yeah, it is less than But that. views are not the same as listens. Yeah, it's the best version. Best Whatever. Version. That's garbage. You're garbage. Cohen said that he finds the uh, number of covers of the song Hallelujah both ironic and amusing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was my, that's kind of my point. Given that the record label refused to release it when he first wrote it. Huh. Mm. <laughs> that is ironic. 
But he said, I was just reading a review of the movie called Watchmen. Yep. That's an old one. That uses it. And the reviewer said, can we please have a moratorium on Hallelujah in movies and television shows? And I kind of feel the same way. I think it's a good song, but I think too many people sing it. Cohen said that. (laughs) Cohen said that about his own song. Who would have thought? To be fair, a lot of artists hate their own songs. True. Well, when you have to play them that many times, you know, like when you're when you're forced to if you play something to death, you know, like because a lot of artists when they when they start make, I mean, it makes sense when an artist starts touring, they want to tour on their new material. They want to play their new songs. They want to show something. Everyone wants to hear how everyone wants to hear the hits. I don't and I don't know how he I don't know how Cohen felt about that period of his career, because, for instance, Mm -hmm. Bowie wasn't super happy with that. You know what I mean? He had a yeah. period of his career in the 80s and even early 90s where he's like, mm, maybe I wasn't making the best music. Right. You know, so perhaps he's not super excited about that portion either. Perhaps he would, you know, much rather perform earlier work or even late 90s or some early, you know, early 2000s. Yeah. Type stuff. So, well, I've got a boo to boop if you want to do it. I would love to. I think this is Tyler's for boop to boop. No, I've had other ones, but he's had you? other ones. When did I, I had one last week? The week before that was it's recent, yeah. Okay, I was, I, anyway, whatever. They're not they're not uh, your, your common territory. Sure, but no, I love not it. normally. So I this one is here, this is Suzanne, of course, by Leonard Cohen, most popular song. And you want to travel blind, and you know she will trust you, for you've touched her perfect body with your mind. All right, now we're going to get some Tales of Brave Ulysses by Cream. And the colors of the sea Find your eyes with trembling mermaids And you touch the distant beaches With tales of brave Ulysses How his naked ears were tortured By the sirens sweetly singing for the spot- Same melody. Did hmm. you find it in the lyrics? Yeah. It's the same melody. I could hear it. It's true. It's real. It was, In fact, the writer of uh, Tales of Brave Ulysses Martin Sharp wrote that song after visiting some Greek isles, mm-hmm. and he wrote it to the tune of the melody of Suzanne, specifically Judy Collins' cover of the Cohen song, mm. and then it was also based off of Summer in the City by Levin Spoonful, the riff. Did huh. Judy Collins do it first? No. Or which, which version was first? Suzanne was written by Cohen. Yeah, but he somebody else released it before he did. Oh, really? I think so. Uh, no, she released Nina Simone released a, ver- a song called Suzanne in 1969. Judy Collins released it on an album called In My Life in 1966. The Stormy Clovers, then recorded by Collins, and then later Leonard Cohen. Yeah, look at that, Judy Collins, 1966. Yeah, he was first published as a poem in '66. Huh. Interesting. Indeed. I know things. That's, I'm glad you brought that up because when I first listened. You know, I know both of those songs. That's my favorite Cream song. So I was like, this is the same thing. And they even bring up some of the lyrics are actually intertwined as well. Hmm. And I was like, that's weird. And then I Googled it and found the Rolling Stone little blurb that mentioned it. And I'm like, I don't understand that because Disraeli Gears came out before Songs of Leonard Cohen. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I don't really know how that happened, but yeah, it's real. So that makes sense. I have a, a boopity boop. Yes. Uh, would you play The Partisan by Leonard Cohen? Album. Songs Song. from a Room. Thank you. Thank you. 
Seaweed by Mount Erie. Our daughter is one and a half. You have been dead eleven days. I got on the boat and came to the place where the three of us were going to build our house. It's very subtle, but that's all I could think of when I heard that mm. song. Huh has the same kind of like progression into it mm-hmm. well while we're at it i'll do one play oh the- everyone's doing a- <laughs> play the song I got nothing. who by fire from new skin for the old ceremony shall i say is calling in her lonely slip all right now go to uh the song max b by aesop rocky aesop rocky It says, direct sample of multiple elements. Huh. <laughs> Very odd. I like that. The most vague way to put it. <laughs> Very. Tyler, uh, since, we're, since we're getting through some music here, uh, would you say that your favorite song is on one of the earlier albums, I, I would have to imagine, or is it off of one of the later releases? Just so we can start transitioning into those later laces. It's very difficult for me to choose one, quite honestly, because I like my, for instance, my favorite album, I'm kind of torn between New Skin for the Old Ceremony and I really like Popular Problems as well. Popular Problems is a really, really good album. Yeah. Really, really good. I know. Do you have a favorite song off of Popular Problems? Yeah, I think if I had to choose one that I just think is really fun on there, it's My Oh My. That's the one! Ooh, I'm so happy we're going to play this song. I'm so happy we're going to play this song. Mm. Oh man, I remember now. Yep. I, I almost picked this. This is very good. It's a very good song. Weirdly, I think it's weird because I think that Samson in New Orleans is a better song, but I think that My Oh My is a more fun and really interesting mm-hmm. Cohen song. So I'm glad and the that, horns are fun too. Oh, the horns are so good. We gotta mm-hmm. play the horns. Have to try. Wasn't hard to love you. Didn't have to try. Held you for a little while My oh my oh my Held you for a little while My oh my oh my 
truly a terrific song. It is. It's really good. I like the t- guitar is almost country. It is very twangy. You know? Got a good twang to mm-hmm. it indeed. Yeah. I I really enjoyed those last albums. I think that he had a very, very different renaissance yes. than what you would imagine for an almost 80-year-old man, Most then definitely. 80, and then like still into his 80s when you get to You Want It Darker because he passed away at 82, right? 82. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you have a 78 to 82-year-old man still making music yep at that point in his life it's very different from his early work for obvious reasons but it still i feel like is borrowing from those places in a lot of ways like the album says old ideas they do feel like old ideas from leonard cohen in a lot of ways yeah he doesn't lose his identity as a musician in it all and it's interesting that these albums like through all of them he maintains a certain like the character of old of an old man right in a way and he doesn't especially on you want it darker okay yeah which was recorded in his home Mm -hmm. in the living room his home in los angeles produced by his son right it's like the man is nearly dead right uh but his he still has a lot of power in his voice and his voice sounds almost the same as on popular problems and old ideas right it hasn't changed that much no no it really hasn't so yeah I would say, and I think that when it comes down to it, Popular Problems is like the brighter album from Cohen. Obviously, You Want It Darker is the darker album from Cohen. And then Thanks for the Dance really blends those two feelings together in a lot of ways where you take the... What's odd about that album, too, Thanks for the Dance, those are excerpts from the recordings of You Want It Darker. Right. And they really weren't those like that dark of songs in comparison. So I don't, I know that like his son wanted to make it clear. Those are not B sides. Those are not thrown away songs. What I would gather is, is those feel like songs that just didn't fit the fit, the dark theme of the album, but were still recorded along with those. And really when you put them together, they still feel like a cohesive album to me. They most definitely do. I don't disagree with you there at all. Yeah. And they, and it's, yeah, it's very interesting. I wouldn't mind if you wanted to play, you want it darker just to get an idea absolutely where that album goes magnified sanctified be thy holy name vilified crucified in the human frame a million candles burning for the help that never came you want it darker It's so clear that he's aware, yeah. you know, like in that it's, it's very similar to how Bowie was singing on black star mm-hmm. in so many ways. Both of them were very, very cognizant of where they were in their lives. And those albums give off that energy of just like a realization, a loss. And in a lot of ways, thanks for the dance feels like an acceptance of all those things, right? You know, like there's there's something brooding and coming on you want it darker, and then when you get to thanks for the dance, you can see that it's really a celebration of mm-hmm. him in a lot of ways, yeah, and that in his memories and you know what his life has been, and the people who have made his life what it is as well are for reflected sure. in that album. Yeah. So, yeah, that's they're both really powerful, really powerful albums in that regard. Yeah. Uh, and they, and they're just. They're, I mean, they're enjoyable anyway, right? As much as a dark thing can be enjoyable to an extent, I don't know. So, but yeah, those are, those later albums just really do it. And a funny thing too is uh, having, um, 
you want a darker recorded in his home. Old Ideas, the cover, that's outside of his house, actually. Oh, is it really? In LA, yeah. I didn't know it's that. a picture of him sitting out there. I found him on, you can see a street shot from 2015 on Google Maps of him sitting in his yard. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> so, yeah. That's pretty fun. It's pretty cool. What do you guys, Jared Dax, what did you think about the posthumous album? Did you feel like it was a good send off for Cohen or, cause I know, so I, I don't usually talk about the review site that I, that I use cause I don't feel like it doesn't need, I doesn't need to be brought up a whole lot on this show specifically, but a lot of the reviewers that are on that site were just like, let the man, let him be in peace. Stop releasing his music. He it's didn't want to release this music. Whatever. He's dead. And like, I was just like. No, you don't get it at all. No, like, it, that you completely lose sight in 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 that regard. And I don't I don't know if you guys had that feeling at all, or if you feel like this was a good, appropriate way to send off Cohen. I guess. No, no, not at all. It's appropriate. It's very Mac Miller. Very Mac Miller. Oh my! I thought it was okay. <laughs> I mean, I, it was very as we said. I mean, it's uh, similar to, um, uh, you want it darker. Mm-hmm. You're talking about uh, thanks for the dance. Thanks for the mm-hmm. dance. Yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, because it was the, about about the same recording sessions. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I thought it fit with the aesthetic of, and I, I mean, I would I see what you're saying with the sun thing, but he is the one that would be profiting the most from a posthumous 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 album. Um, album because he produced it and he also is probably the one that is getting the financial gain. So he wants sure. everybody to, oh yeah, this is not just thrown together. This is you know, and he's gonna say that. Yeah, I guess I could see that. Yeah, that but point. he he also is the person who recorded and produced "You Want It Darker," which was right. a, a, you know a piece of work where these songs came from. Right. That his father very much wanted to be put out. Yeah. You know, it's not like his son's like dad sitting here. In your living room, record this album so I can make some money off it. You know, he like Leonard Cohen wasn't done. He had things Dad, to say. The money's right. running dry. I'm right. gonna need you to start singing. Like it's not. Right. Yeah, he could have so, pulled a Stan Lee. Oh yeah, held him hostage, made him sign things. Oh my! Can, all right. Um. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, you're welcome. Getting into those those dark Marvel. I'm stories. wondering <laughs> how if if he has very much recorded material that is in a vault somewhere. That's a great question because uh, I, I know Bob Dylan does. And yeah, I know yeah, I that Prince know. had a bunch. Yeah, you know, I certain, would imagine he does. I think that uh, not that these two are comparable, really, but uh, hip hop artists uh, have a lot of stuff that they have they've recorded that aren't on albums. Lil Wayne and Eminem have a lot of stuff, right, that they've recorded that have never. So, like, once somebody is gone or retired or whatever, that music can theoretically continue. Sure. So I don't know. I mean, Bowie probably had a bunch of stuff too. Some yeah, stuff. he may have. Yeah, I don't know about Cohen. I mean, he well, he also, I mean, he has multiple books of poems, right? And various He's things, a prolific I, writer, right? Yeah. Which I've got, I've got a book of his poems. That it's pretty good, and um, but a lot of his ideas, I think, lived in two different places, mm-hmm. and so I'm not sure that he. I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But I feel like he had with another outlet, with another place where he puts things. You know, right. maybe it's not necessarily the case. Yeah, I don't think he probably just sits around like and just goes to the studio without a purpose of an album. Right. So it's yeah. it's most likely not a whole lot of that stuff sitting around. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that's probably where where we would be with that. But I don't think you know, they're from the same session as well, the, these songs. So Yeah. All of that's kind of meh. Yeah. 
I thought it was an appropriate album. I think that You Want It Darker could have been a successful and happy send-off. But I think that by producing and releasing Thanks for the Dance, I think that, again, like I see it as a celebration, and I think that You Want It Darker is very much a dark album, and I think that Thanks for the Dance is a good way of ending the the things that you get to hear and really the biggest thing for me is is that i understand somebody being like well they're just cash grabbing but as a cohen fan you should just be happy that you get to hear more music from him to begin with right exactly like if you get if you get the opportunity to have another album to be able to hear the voice of cohen one last time in this kind of context why would you be complaining agreed so yeah there's no reason for it yeah so we got any closing thoughts on cohen at this point in time well I think I'd like to. I know we. You meant, asked me about my favorite songs. So we played that song off of yes, but I wouldn't mind playing my favorite song off of old skin, new skin for the old ceremony. Please do. It's the opening track. Is this what you wanted? And is this what you wanted to live in a house that is haunted by the ghosts of you and me? Is this what you wanted to live in a house that is haunted by the ghost of you and me? Those backgrounds, those guys are the—they're the real all stars of this whole thing. Is that right? I'm, I'm into all that. of it. I love—I love when he's got all that background stuff with the female vocalist mm-hmm. and everything jumping in, the horns, the the piano, the, the all of it. It's good stuff. Good stuff indeed. No doubt. It all fits quite well. I like I like it. I like it. I love that song. It's good, isn't it? It is. It is a very good song. Yeah, I love it. it sticks in my mind quite often, actually. Dax, you got any closing thoughts on Cohen? Feel pretty satisfied with what you said so far. That. Good. Jared? <laughs> satisfied? I suppose, yes. Tyler? I guess so. All right. Call her, call her quits, then. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. We've been talking about Leonard Cohen this week. Next week we're going to shift into some Outcast. Thanks for listening. Check out our Facebook. Check out our Patreon. Goodbye. The fifth, the minor.